We are grateful that you are joining us for another episode of the AgView Pitch as we know that your time is very valuable. Our team at AgView Solutions is always here for you for any questions or comments that you may have. Please feel free to reach out to us at cbaron at agviewsolutions.com. And now, here is your host, Chris Barron. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the AgView Pitch. And we are just about to embark on a conversation around best practices going into the spring planting season. Um, as we record this, we're getting a big snowstorm outside right now, but so it might feel like it's a little ways away. And if you're in a wet spot or in an area where it's a day or two or a week away or whatever, um, I think this is well worth your listen to kind of just think about some best practice with the planter, uh, with tillage and some of those things. So excited to introduce the panel we have here today. We have Troy Detmeyer, who is an agronomist with Pioneer, and we also have Mike Tierney, and uh, who's with Pioneer and is our area uh, manager, right, Mike? Account manager yep. slash agronomist. Yep, yep. So and he's and he's an you're an agronomist too. So we got two agronomists here, and then we also have our equipment expert with us, um, Brent Judish, who's been on quite a few times going into either spring season or fall seasons. How's it going, Brent? It's not going well when it's snowing today. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. And so. With that said, um, Troy, I'm going to start out with you on on uh, some agronomy questions here. Um, you know what? I'm just going to start out with this question: What's what is the the thing that is most preventable that you guys get called out on after the fact? Okay, you get you get a call and 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 there's an issue. What's the most common thing that is an issue that we as farmers could fix? Sure, Chris. Probably one of the things that Mike and I have seen be most frequent here over the past couple of years would be the sidewall compaction and I should say the uh, I don't want to phrase that not getting the seed slot closed properly and getting that uniform seed to soil contact that we desire and especially as we've seen the uptick of high-speed planters it seems like the amount of air pockets that are at the bottom of the seed trench has increased quite a bit in frequency and I think it just comes down to you know, getting out and, and checking and, and digging and verifying what you're seeing on the monitor inside that tractor cab is actually, you know, what's occurring back there at the planter. And I, and I think one of the things that we can do to do a better job of evaluating our seeding depth and how well we're getting that seed to soil contact is rather than just taking your pliers or your seed digger and just digging straight straight down with the row is take something almost like a putty knife kind of type thing and go perpendicular press down and then pull back and what that's going to do is it's going to give you kind of like a a forward-facing view of what your seed trench looks like and because otherwise if you just dig from top to bottom you'll end up collapsing a lot of those air pockets and not and not seeing that so how you actually dig that seed trench up is a big deal so instead of just digging straight down like we typically do to check for depth let's let's kind of pull that seed furrow back and take a take a more in-depth look at it and then probably the other thing that we've been seeing is you know just a lot of sidewall compaction even last year with the dry conditions that we had here along the highway 20 corridor here in northeast Iowa we were still seeing a lot of sidewall compaction a good way to do that is is to actually take a potato fork or a spade and kind of go down at an angle and almost pry that seed furrow up and if that seed furrow crumbles you're you know you're doing a pretty good job whereas if that seed furrow also opens up like a book and you you have one page laying on one side and one on the other you know that we need to make some adjustments Mm -hmm. 
So that's uh, that's one thing, Brent. Any comments on what he just said on on some of that stuff with the high speed planners and, and any of that? Well, the new planners have so much more technology. We communicate with the driver. We tell them what what our readings are on the row unit. Every row unit's got a sensor on it. And I think the tendency is if we need 130 pounds, 180 is better. And I think we found the last two years especially that that's not necessarily the case. Um, we have better closing systems on the planner. We have the spike wheels now. We have a lot more data we're entering in there. And I mm-hmm. think a guy needs to pay attention to that and uh, and know that you don't need to have over overweight on the planner. Stop with the planner in the field, get out, spin them gauge wheels. If you can spin them with a little bit of effort, you're probably pretty close in your down pressure. If you can't spin them, you have way too much down pressure, and that's where the sidewall compaction we talk about is coming from, and it's getting to be a pretty common thing with new technology. The planters react faster. Uh, hydraulic downforce is great, but it also reacts faster than air does, and I think guys need to th- remember that, that you just get out. You got Like Troy said, get out, dig. That's the most important thing. If you don't plan it right, the rest of the year is not going to be very good. Mm-hmm. Well, with these high-speed planters, Brent, you know, they're they're uh, labeled you can go 10 mile an hour, right? So why not just go 10 mile an hour and hammer down? Um, <laughs> 10 mile an hour in ideal conditions works, I'll, I'll admit it. But in general, if you're in especially corn on corn, you have a lot of trash out there, uh, at 6 to 7 mile an hour, your ride control is going to start going in the red. Mm-hmm. And watch the new planters, and so there's a feedback on every row unit. It's telling you what your your seed meter or what your seed weight's doing, mm-hmm. and just follow that. Um, just because it says 10 mile an hour, you know, today it's snowing outside. Does that mean drive the speed limit? Absolutely not. Yeah, right. Mike, any comments on that too? You know, you guys talked about the <clears throat> in our earlier meeting here today. You guys talked a little bit about the importance of of uh, that getting that seed depth right maybe even more so than you know that picket fence planting is important but what's maybe even more important than that is that the depth well, and well one of the things that we like to see is that especially in preparation getting that field cultivator out there and having it be a full 24 hours ahead of the planter to cr- create a homogeneous uh, moisture and temperature and then you place your seed down at a minimum of, of two inches deep and error on the deeper side so that every seed will imbibe that water equally and you'll get a nice even emergence of all the plants. We find that if we're two days behind on emergence, we're losing yield on those plants and the farther out we get in the difference in emergence to five-day difference, we get such a little tiny ear and such a little tiny stock. It's almost having a weed in the field at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. So, Troy, you had some pictures kind of illustrating the ear size as a direct correlation to that planting depth. And you also talked about, you know, the deeper you go, the more uniform the soil temperature. Talk a little bit about that and the importance of having the right perspective with regard to, to planting depth. Sure, Chris. Yeah, you're exactly right. The, the uniformity of our emergence, like Mike talked about, is going to dictate, you know, whether we end up with 200 bushel corn or possibly 300 bushel corn. And as we go deeper into the soil profile, that moisture and temperature becomes a lot more homogeneous, like Mike said, so it's more uniform. So we can get that plant to plant, you know, coming up within that day or two that we really, really try to target. So, um, you know, just making sure that we can maintain that consistent planting depth is going to, 
then ensure that those plants come up at the same time and um you kind of lost where your yeah well as far as just with the plant with the depth you know just with the depth and the consistency because you know you were making a comment that you know as you go deeper in the soil you know that it is more consistent the temperature right as we go deeper the the temperature and the moisture are more consistent so then if we do the job with the planter placing it at that consistent depth and get that consistent seed to soil contact then we will end up having you know that uniform emergence that we're, that we're really after and, and i I'd, I'd bring this up so far we've talked mostly just about corn but our recent research that uh, i've done as well as the guys over in southwest wisconsin have shown that uniforming of emergence in soybeans is just as important as it is in corn and you know, if we're shooting for 90, 100 bushel soybeans, we absolutely have to have that uniformity of emergence, you know, in the soybeans as well. So um, making sure that, you know, we do a good job getting it in the ground. And like Mike said, if you're ever in doubt, um, put her a notch or two deeper. Yeah. I've been doing this for 25 years, and we've been out on a lot of calls where guys have planted too shallow. But I think there's only been about five times where I've been out where, it, you know, it's been an issue because it's too deep. Mm-hmm. One of the comments, I don't remember if it was you, Brent, or, or Troy, or maybe Mike here, but, you know, you guys were talking about the planters kind of like a boat, right? The faster you go, the more it wants to come out of the water, <laughs> and kind of the same thing with the planter. Talk a little bit about that down pressure again and, and what the importance of that. Well, it seems like if we, we create too much down pressure, uh, like Chris says, with, with a boat when you're taking off, you got to kind of plane it off. And, and if, if we're doing that with the planter, it seems like we want to push harder and harder and harder. And all we're doing is creating a, a sidewall compaction situation. And even last year when it was kind of dry out, uh, we went to fields after the fact, and the farmer said it was dry when I planted. And, and after it rained a little bit, and the, the seed furrow came back open, and, and we could see right where that uh, planter had been pressing too hard. Brent's shaking his head. You got something to add there, Brent? <laughs> Well, yeah, if you don't, uh, you can put the press wheel or the closing wheels and all the pressure you want, but if you don't have a nice ribbon of soft soil over top of that V trench, Mm -hmm. it's going to open right back up. You get a one Sunday or sunny, windy day, and that trench is going to open right up, and then your seed's not going to grow because it's just going to dry right down to that seed. Mm -hmm. So you got to have them gauge wheels. They have to be able to spin by hand when you're planting. There, There can't be too much pressure on them. Because that weight, you know, you're only planting two inches deep, and that soil's loose down to about three inches if you do tillage. So you've got a, a nice, fresh uh, batch of dirt there to work with, and you're going to compress it down, and it's going to be a, it's just going to be a problem the rest of the year if you don't do it right the first time. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want to back up here, but I sort of do for a minute. You know, we're, we're talking about the planting, but you know that planter preparation with that tillage pass. One of the things you, I heard you overheard, overheard you guys talking about. Brent, I think the three of you were talking about the importance of getting that field cultivator leveled and how probably a lot of us maybe don't do the best job in that. Um, talk a little bit about that and, and kind of what things we need to stay focused on with getting that, that tillage tool in the right condition and, and calibrated right. Well, soil prep is very important in planting, whether you're strip till or you're a conventional field cultivator, vertical till. And take that machine, get it on cement, and get it level side to side, get it level front to back. Um, it's easy if you've, if you've replaced a couple of tires on the mainframe or the wing and they aren't the same brand as what was on there, you can easily be off an inch or two. 
Well, if we're going to fill cultivate three inches deep, but I got part of my machines four inches deep, it's going to slab, and I'm going to have chunky conditions coming out of them areas. Mm-hmm. So we think fill cultivators, oh, I'll just go out there and go like heck and get you know do the job. But if you don't do it right before the planter gets there, it's going to be hard for the planter to overcome some of them tillage mistakes. Mm-hmm. Good, good comments. Any other comments on the uh, Well, we didn't really tillage? talk about row cleaners at all. Yeah, that was going to be my next question, so good call. Okay. Well, uh, it's so important to have those row cleaners cleaning out an area for the seed to go into it. If you've got a, a piece of residue laying across a it when the opener comes through, it's either going to cut it or it's going to pin it down. And when you get a, a seed pinned down against residue, you're not going to get uniform moisture and you're going to have uneven emergence. And once again, you're going to have small ears on those plants and, and spindly stalks, kind of like a weed-like situation out in the field. Mm-hmm. You guys talked a lot about, or I think, Troy, I think that was you talking about those air pockets on the high-speed planters. Was that a speed thing more so like they were going faster needed to slow down? I think we might have talked about that in the beginning here, but just to touch on that again. Yeah, a lot of the ones that Mike and I saw last year were just the fact that guys were going uh, probably faster than what the conditions, you know, allowed them or what they should have been mm-hmm. traveling at. And therefore, it kind of goes back to that boat coming out of the water and the the automatic down pressure system said, I'm not running enough ground contact, so it pushed harder to try to maintain the ground contact and that can be really deceiving because if you don't do a good job of digging from the from the surface it looks like you have the seed slot closed and you dig down and and the air pockets there so in a lot of those cases um, if they would have slowed down uh, that would have reduced the amount of down pressure that it would have taken to maintain their ride quality and you know would have impacted that the other thing that we found over the past few years is um you know, a lot of these different spike type closing wheels can really, really help that out. And I see a lot of these newer planters, um, especially the deers that are really popular in our area are coming out with some of those spiked type closing wheels. And that seems to be improving things a lot. Okay. Awesome. And there's a new option now for the air downforce on the closing wheels. So not only do we have uh, air downforce on our, on our, our, our machine, we have uh, on our, our row cleaners, we have air for down pressure or up pressure, and now we have closing wheel up, down pressure, air pressure. And mm. so it's really easy to get everything set right, but, but we have to start with the baseline. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, if 30 pounds is right, maybe in, in bean stubble, 30 pounds is right on the closing wheels. But maybe in a corn-on-corn field, maybe 50 pounds is right. So uh, I just can't, just can't um, really – make them think about how important it is to get out there and dig every field because what worked in the first field of the day, it may not be the same in the next field of the day. Mm-hmm. So make sure we're adjusting the planter to the conditions we're having, not just set it for the morning and we're right. going to go plant 12 hours and do the same thing all day long. Yeah. We talked about the seed tender operator being trained on how to, um, you know, how to dig. That's one of the things, you know, Mike, you brought up, you know, maybe we, um, bring the the seed rep in or somebody just to help us with a you know 10 15 minutes of training on how do you dig behind the planter what do you look for what are the key things you're looking for those air pockets the hair pinning the 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 depth which is troy you said the most important thing those kind of things just making sure that we're cross training the planter operator to cross train the person bringing the seed because the planter takes off going across the field that person doesn't have to leave probably instantaneously they could stay there and do some digging that digging could pay a pretty big dividends couldn't it yeah we want to keep that guy in the planter running and and the guy tending the seed 
you know, with a little bit of training, uh, can check each roll, right? Make sure we're, we've got the right depth and, and that we're not, uh, running too fast and get an air pocket in the bottom or, or, uh, that the down pressure is set correctly. Right. Another thing I heard you guys talking about offline today too, was <clears throat> a little bit about, okay, you know, you get, you calibrate everything at five mile an hour, whether it's speed, depth, all of the settings, and then you take off out in the field and you run seven to 10. That's a lot different, right? So who wants to take that one and talk a little about that? Well, that's back to the boat and the water thing. Um, you should always go out when you're setting your planner and the, you got a pretty good idea if I'm going to run six or seven or eight mile an hour. And when you're out there doing your testing, run that speed. Not only is the ground contact and the depth going to be more important, but your seed meters. I don't care what brand or planner you have. The seed meter is going to be the most consistent. If I set my vacuum at 16 pounds of pressure and I'm running seven mile an hour, it's going to be the most consistent at that speed. If my speed's changing, it's trying to catch up or overpopulate or underpopulate. Um, so when you go out in the field before spring, I recommend get that planter out in the field. Don't put seed in it. Go out there and make a couple passes, you know, a week before you plant. Get everybody excited. Get your, <laughs> but get your get GPS. Get the neighbor nervous. Yeah. yeah. Get your GPS set. Get your hitch set. A lot of guys don't pay. The hitch is very important. On yeah. a two-point planter, you want to carry a hitch just a little bit above center. Get that set. Um, go out and make a couple passes and make, you know, and test everything about, but do it at the speed you're probably going to plant at mm -hmm. because uh, a five mile an hour is a whole lot different than a seven mile an hour when it comes to down pressure and spacing and all that. It really and your, and your GPS calibration too, if it's going to plant, if it's going to drive straight too, right? Especially yeah. if you're on strip till or something. Yeah, you're gonna, if you're going to drive eight mile an hour, you're going to have to have a higher, a higher uh, auto track setting than if you're driving five mile an hour. Mm-hmm. Because yep. you're you gonna want your tractor to react faster to it. So right. yeah. Just get the speed set and try and stick to it as much as you can. So another thing I want to hit on, um, Troy, and I'm picking on you a lot here and, and Mike, I guess too, but is you know, you commented on the temperature, and this is something that I hadn't thought about and I think a lot of people don't, but you know, you got your seed in, in your shed and the shed's forty two degrees and all of a sudden you get that 80 degree day talk a little bit about some things that people need to pay attention to with that temperature change there sure chris you know as the, the planters have gotten larger you know sometimes we run into situations where it's hard to get that seed blown from the bulk tank out to those outer rows in the situation that you just described is you know probably what we're setting up for this year you know we're 10 days two weeks out from planting and it's snowing right now so we're going to be bringing cold seed out of the shed. And it's, you know, the example I gave today was, you know, if you were outside today and walked into a building and you were wearing glasses, those glasses would fog up and have a bunch of moisture condensing on them. And that's essentially what the challenge can be, getting that seed blown out to those outside rows. So putting the proper amount of talc graphite mix in there can be really important. We really encourage guys to, you know, get some of that stuff sprinkled throughout the tank before you even fill it. And especially the talc is the drying agent out of that mixture. And the more moisture that we have, you know, in the air or those condensation situations is, is where you might have to play with that talc combination just a little bit. And the other thing that I'm sure, you know, Brent can uh, vouch or, you know, that he sees as well as, as we do is when it is not blowing out to those outside rows, the, the, thought process is well it's not blowing out there so let's go ahead and crank that blower pressure up <laughs> and that's actually you know the 
you know, actually you need to bring it down and I'll let yeah, the, that's the equipment opposite. guy talk about it. Yeah, start off here a vacuum or a CCS planter 16 PSI is about where you want to start. But like Troy says, if it's not blowing to the outside, well, I'm going to go to 20. Well, that's actually worse. Sometimes backing it off down to 13 or 14 um, is uh, now the seed's only going to go out to the out units when there's air going out the end of the tubes. And increasing the pressure in them tubes does not necessarily increase the amount of air going through them. Mm-hmm. And so, but it's usually not an air issue. It's like Troy said, it's a talc issue or it's a moisture issue. It's not normally the planter's fault. It's usually something's going on that the seed's actually caking up or bridging up over top mm-hmm. of the outlet tube. And if, if air can't get out of that tube, nor can seed. I'm just guilty of going back there and banging on the bottom of the thing and hitting the hoses and like, why are these things not feeding through here, you know, and just be frustrated. But that's, those are all really good. Yeah. One of the things that guys can do if, you know, if they have their planner uh, maintenance and everything ready to go and they do have a heated shop is I would encourage guys to actually start bringing that seed into the shop and letting it warm up here over the next, you know, 10 days to two weeks we can avoid probably 95% of those situations, you know, if you have that luxury of having room in your heated mm-hmm. shop to get that seed in there and get it start warming up. Yeah, that's good. Good call. So I want to wrap up with a couple of final questions here. And, and it, it's really around the idea of population. And the first thing, Troy, and I keep picking on you here, but, you know, that you talked about that I thought was really important <clears throat> is knowing your hybrids and understanding the importance of population to a specific hybrid and how that correlates to yield. And, and if you want to start on that, Mike, if you have some additional comments, I'd like to hear what you guys have to say on the population piece. Yeah, we've been running population trials now for probably close to a decade out in customers' fields rather than just on research farms. And, you know, every hybrid has a sweet spot and you know, we've got some where 34,000 is what we need to, to optimize economic yield. And we have some that, to be honest with you, we're telling guys to drop them at 30, 31,000. And if you push those too far, we actually go backwards in yield. So you've lost revenue and you've also added to your input cost as well. And, you know, I can let Mike, yeah, I, Mike talk about what our, we've seen from standability standpoints. Our, our comments are uh, for Northeast Iowa and, and certainly uh, at those populations, we we want you to be checking with your local sales representative right. and, and get a recommendation from them because what fits here in, in Northeast Iowa may not be what works well in Illinois or Indiana, wherever this podcast is going out to. Mm-hmm. But uh, we, here, here in Northeast Iowa, we sure do see that, uh, you know, we're, we're not recommending anything over 34,000. And uh, like Troy said, uh, sometimes uh, 32, 31 is just fine, and, and if we have more than that, we lose yield. And then the other thing we see is is sometimes we get into some situations where some people pop, put that population up to 38,000, and we get too doggone many plants out there. And uh, then when the wind blows through it in, in our area, it seems like it blows every year along Highway 20, uh, those those fields that have those extra plants tend to get knocked around a lot more. We, in our population tri- trials, we can take a drone shot above and pick out those uh, plots that have 38,000, and you compare those to the standability of something that has a 30,000 plant population. It's just night and day how much better they stand. And, and you know, when we knock corn down like that, we lose yield. We lose a lot of yield. So mm-hmm. um, we just, you know, we're going to get top-end yield. Uh, we, we say, uh, you know, you can probably get uh, out of a 30,000 stand, you got 
uh, potential for 300 bushel per acre here in northeast Iowa. And uh, so, you know, 31, 32, 34 on some hybrids, what we're recommending here. Mm -hmm. We use granular, um, you know, the prescription and, and get use that to get things set up. Any comments from you guys and you as well, Brent, just on making sure that that prescription is, is thought through and any, any um, recommendations there on prescriptions? We, we, we really don't need a, a great deal of range on that, you know, on corn, on, on your best yielding ground for some of the hybrids, you're going to be up there at 34,000. And then at the lower uh, yielding potential, you're going to be maybe 26 or 28 in some situations if you get on some sand. One thing I would like to comment on is that we see a lot of advantage to variable rates of soybeans too. Mm-hmm. And it's just the opposite is where you've got your best yielding soybeans. What we run into in Northeast Iowa, high fertility, uh, maybe long-term corn on corn, and we put a, uh, some soybeans out there. And if we're planting t- kind of the typical 140,000 per acre, we can knock beans down. And, we, you know, when we knock those beans over, we lose five to eight bushels off of them. And what we found is if we drop in 110 or 120, we can keep the beans standing better. And then when you go to your, your lighter ground or where it's not such a high yield potential, you can uh, plant some extra seeds there. Maybe go up to 150, 160,000, and you'll make your lighter ground yield better. So we recommend take a – if you haven't tried it, try variable rate soybeans this year and uh, – once again, if you talk to your Pioneer sales rep, they should be able to help you get set up with a variable rate prescription. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm always guilty of this. Every podcast I do, I'm always like, oh, that was my last question. Oh, wait, no, it's not. I got one more. I came up with another one here. You were talking about soybeans and, and two-part two, two question. The first part is, is I think we're all as farmers guilty of thinking of the um, the soybean is that, you know, I don't know what the, I don't want to get say it wrong i guess but you know it's the stepchild or whatever it's not the it's not the first one there that you know we're going to be we're concerned about the corn and the beans that just throw them in the ground that's one the other thing though that i really want you to touch on is seed treatment because you know there's some really key things that i think pioneers doing with seed treatment that i think is worthy of um mentioning here Um, if you guys want to hit on that real quick so i think it's a really key thing that a lot of times people don't think about on the soybeans and the importance of that yeah, there's been a lot of improvements here over the past five to seven years. Uh, Pioneers now kind of has our umbrella as Lumigen seed treatments, and it seems like every year they're kind of tweaking that concoction, if you will, to to try to optimize things. And, um, you know, we went to Ethoboxum here on the corn a couple of years ago, and that's really strong on Pythium. And, and since then, we've had just really good stands. Guys were planting and super cold conditions that actually made us a little bit nervous to be quite honest with you when it's that wouldn't be any anybody like us we don't we wouldn't do that when you guys (laughs) you guys are snapchatting us uh your soil temps 38 degrees and you're out there planting (laughs) planting corn it it makes makes your agronomist a little bit nervous but you know things have pulled through and you know the vigor the hybrid has helped and the technology that's in the planters has helped as well getting us uh, established but yeah on the soybeans too you know there's been some new fungicides and insecticides that we've added as well to help give us, you know, better SDS protection, soybean cyst nematode management, you know, and, um, you know, I, any other ones well, that I'm forgetting? Mike? Well, just the, the fungicide that we put on them uh, allows us to plant soybeans earlier. Mm-hmm. You think back 25 years ago, and if we would have planted soybeans on 
April 15th, which I was talking to a grower yesterday, and he's hoping to get planting soybeans on April 15th before he plants his corn. Mm-hmm. We would have known for sure that by May 1st, those soybeans would be mush, and it'd be a replant. Well, the, these seed treatments now allow us to plant our soybeans earlier, uh, the, the fungicide portion of the seed treatment. And by planting earlier, that's one of the things that we think has really helped increase our, well, the research indicates it. The mm-hmm. earlier you plant your soybeans, uh, outside of the fact that you might get a frost or hailstorm, take them off on Mother's Day, uh, the earlier you plant your soybeans up until the insurance date, I suppose I better say, uh, the higher your yield's going to be on soybeans. And, uh, you know, you think back years ago, Brent, and we used to get done planting our corn on May 1st, and we'd take a week off and wait till Or after, two. Wait till <laughs> after Mother's Day and then go plant soybeans. And now uh, it's the planters are rolling with soybeans yeah. either uh, ahead of the corn or a lot of operations that we work with uh, have two planters, one for corn and one for soybeans. Yeah, Grandpa mm-hmm. said he couldn't plant beans till May 10th. Mm-hmm. We want to be done way before May 10th, you know, right. at least on my, yeah, our operation. Absolutely. Well, I don't we're, know if that's going to happen this year. <laughs> <laughs> but we were talking earlier, you know, Troy made the comment, you know, you can get 60 bushel beans by doing some things, but if you want to get 80 bushel beans, you've got to do two things, plant them early and plant them right. Yeah. And that's a good, good point. I mean, you made that point, um, Troy, just on, on plant, plant your soybeans like it's corn and you'll, you'll be rewarded for, for treating it that way. Absolutely. Yeah, we, we've seen that, you know, taking that care, you know, if we, if we put as much management into our soybeans as we do our corn and as much TLC that we put into our corn, if we gave that to the soybeans, you know, those are the guys that are constantly ripping off the 80, 90, touching the 100 bushel range. Right. Well, soybeans love management just like corn does. Yeah. So any, any final thoughts from anybody here? Uh, anything I didn't hit on that I should have? Uh, yeah, I just got one thing. I, I oftentimes get uh, calls from growers driving in the in the tractor when they're planting, and you know they're disappointed because they only have ninety nine point five percent singulation. And uh, asked them, well, how are the planting conditions? And you know, you maintaining your seed depth? And and I guess the sexy part right now for the talk and people Snapchat and pictures is when they're planting and they're getting one hundred percent singulation. And I guess that's great. But let's just make sure that, you know, we're doing all the other things right, that maybe the, the screen in the cab isn't, isn't mm-hmm. showing us. And I'll take 95% singulation over having sidewall compaction any day. So just be sure to get out there and check and, and don't, don't pat yourself on the back too quickly just because the monitor says you're getting 99 plus percent singulation. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of other things going on that we need to pay attention to. Maybe some pictures of the corn in a, in, the seed with really perfect seed to soil contact at exactly uh, 2.3 inches deep, right? Yep. Send those to your agronomist rather than the (laughs) the screen showing 100% singulation. At at 10 mile an hour. (laughs) Exactly. We've never seen any of those yet. (laughs) Right. Maybe we should have a prize out there this year for those that snap us or text us a picture of uh, that perfect seed furrow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, I, I do want to put a plug in for Pioneer, too, because, you know, you guys, you know, have a phenomenal agronomy background and you guys support us. You support our 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 family's um, Pioneer Agency and, and a lot of other agencies. And, and you guys do a great job of 
of being there for us and giving us the service that we need and the information that we need most importantly and, and that backing so thanks a lot any comments brent from you on the equipment side and we'll wrap it up uh, i just i just laugh and uh, we talked earlier there's never enough time to plant right there's always enough time to plant twice yeah so well, remember that yeah that's like, true uh, choice said get out dig have somebody else dig while you're planting um the, if you don't plant it right, you can forget spraying, you can forget side dressing, you can forget combine. And if you don't mm-hmm. plant it right, the rest of the year is not going to be a profit. Right. All right. Well, Brent Judas, Mike Tierney, Troy Detmeyer, thank you guys very much. This was a great conversation and really appreciate it. Thanks, yep. Chris. Just want to wish all the growers out there a safe planting season and a successful 2022. That's awesome. Thanks, guys. We'll appreciate everybody listening, and we will catch you again next time on the Ag View pitch.